Welcome, friends. It is so great to have you here with us at Element City Church. Whether you're here in the room, hello, everyone, or here online, waving to you at your living room. We are so honored to have you with us. Thanks for giving up some of your time and investing in here, especially if you're new. Uh, if you're new, I know it takes courage coming to a new place, whether that's even logging in or walking through the door, and we're honored to have you here. And I just want to let you know, if you haven't downloaded our free app, guess what? It's free. You can get it at your app store, and we travel light. You can find a whole bunch of things like playlists that you might hear some of the worship that's here. You can, as you're walking through life, you can have it be the soundtrack of your life. We'd love to encourage you. That is a way that you can stay up to date with everything that's happening around here. And if you are new, we would love for you to scroll down to like the second tile down. It says connection card. And we would love for you to fill that out, whether you're at home or here. Uh, fill out that connection card and let us get connected with you trying to answer questions, help you find a connection here in our Element City Church family. And for those of you who have little kids, drum roll, eKids Phase 1 begins again next Sunday. And so for those of you who have the little ones from babies up through kindergarten, we will have eKids open next Sunday night, November 1st. Now, it is the day after Halloween, so please don't preload your kids with all the chocolate in the world and then send them here. So, or we might ask you to volunteer. Actually, I'm going to ask you to volunteer. So if you're a parent, we would love to encourage you to be a part of kind of what we say is the next generation ministry. We would love to train you, help you with that. Maybe you kind of give up one Sunday and invest one Sunday a month uh, in serving and helping with all the little kids that we have. And then the next three Sundays, you get to be a part of the church family here in service. And so we would love to talk with you about that. And you could talk to our eKids director, Jen. She's actually in the foyer right now. Uh, so if you're at home, I guess you can get in the car or drive down here and you can talk to Jen. Uh, and we invite you to be a part of that process. So just want to thank you again to all of you who helped us move out of the office Yesterday, we are 92% out of our office space, and the reason we're doing that is consolidating here on campus, as well as some virtual uh, officing, which we've actually been doing ever since COVID. You all have been doing it as well, and so we are doing that, and it's going to save the church uh, a good chunk of change monthly, what we're grateful for. Um, so the last thing I want to take just a, a quick minute here before we pray is just a, kind of a leadership moment. I, I just want to speak to you and say thank you for being on this journey with us and being a part of this, whether you're online or whether you're here. Uh, just the next chapters of Element City Church have yet to be written, and you get to be a part, and we get to be a part of writing those together. And so it's an honor to get to write that with you and to follow God's leadership in that. We're going to be looking at doing kind of a refresh and a refocus for us as a church, and I want to do a series in January all about that as we look at kind of how are we going to move forward together as we've been navigating some transition times with that. And, and with that, I just invite you, if you didn't listen to last week's service, please go back and listen to that. If you have questions, I would love to meet with you. Uh, I would love to hang out with you and just answer any of those questions and, and try to respond to that and kind of let you know what's going on. But last week, we talked about kind of owning the story we're in, that for you, to kind of take a next step with Jesus and for you to do that in faith as well as doing that uh, all of us together in partnership building the kind of church and moving the story forward that is Element City Church that's eight years old and doing a lot of great things for the kingdom of God so we get to do that together so continue to pray for your church invest in your church be a part of everything that's happening you have a part to play and I have a part to play and we get to play that together so can we do that? Let's do that. Uh, let's pray tonight. We're praying for the Church of the Week, which is Saddlebrook, uh, the church, uh, community church of Saddlebrook. I have a good friend, John, who works there on staff, along with uh, Pastor Ron, who's there. So we're going to pray for them tonight and for our evening together. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful uh, for Community Church of Saddlebrook. I pray for Ron and for their team there. Just ask for your wisdom and leadership and clarity. I know they're navigating such a challenging season uh, in an area. I know part of their uh, struggle has just been that so many people that are, that are not connected physically. 
being together. So I pray that you give them new and creative ways to connect and to engage and to encourage one another. We ask your blessing over them. I pray for Pastor John as he's a teacher and pastoral care shepherd there. We pray for your blessing over him as a dear friend. We just ask that you'd be at work in that church and that you'd be at work here in Element City Church and in the vision and passion you've given us to reach and to bless the heart of the city that you so deeply love. And so, Father, tonight we lift this next hour or so to you. We ask that you would meet us, that you would refresh our hearts, you would challenge us, and you would change us. We want to give our attention and our affection to you as we worship now. And so, God, we ask that you be with us and that you would change us. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my truth. Till I met. I was free.
speak to me when the silence steals my voice you understand me you understand me come to me in the valley of unknowns you understand me you understand me you understand me god you understand me so i throw all my cares before you my doubts and fears don't scare you Don't 
grateful to be able to meet in this place, God. God, would you move tonight? Would you move through your words? Move in power, God. Move in power. God, I pray for our hearts that we would be willing to receive whatever it is you have to say. Would we be strengthened by your word, God? ask you to move in this place. God, we pray, we, uh, we pray for Jack as he comes up to speak. And we just, just ask that you would speak clearly through him, God. Prepare our hearts to hear that, God. We give you all praise, God. We give you all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys be seated. You ever have one of those nights where you're reflecting back or one of those moments in life where you're reflecting back? And tonight's one of those nights for me. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 1. It's in the New Testament, kind of go pretty far to the right. Uh, it's one of the letters of Paul to this church in Ephesus, the city that's there. We'll kind of dive into it in a second. If you have the app, you could scroll down to sermon notes and you can follow along and see everything that we're going to kind of kick around tonight and lean back in. So again, if you're new, it, it's so awesome to have you here. I know I met a few new people uh, tonight. And so welcome, glad that you're here. And uh, every week we, we want to worship. We want to kind of be the spiritual pit stop that kind of fuels you up for your week and continues to help you and encourage you to take next steps in your journey with Jesus, especially if, if you're here investigating Christianity. Maybe, maybe you've got some some hesitations about it. Maybe you've got some things that have just kind of turned you wrong in the past, and, and yet you're here because you're investigating, because you care about uh, the spiritual side of you, and you're searching, and so you're looking, and I just want to tell you how proud I am of you, because I know it takes courage to kind of go in that direction, to seek that out, and, and here's my prayer for you, that God would surprise you, that actually his attention is upon you maybe even more than you recognize or can even see, and that he loves you, friend. And so be open to what God might, uh, to show you what he might kind of speak into your life. And uh, I just want to encourage you maybe to kind of go on a journey with us. Uh, Lyle and I are going to teach through the, through the book of Ephesians uh, the next few weeks, kind of through the end of November before we get into Christmas, and Christmas will be here before you know it. And uh, and then we've got some things planned for early next year. And so just kind of go on a journey with us. And, and I, I trust and I know that God will speak to you as we kind of look in through his word together. And the reason I'm reminiscing is because it was eight years ago this fall that, uh, that I, I kind of got to be a part of helping launch Element City Church. And we began looking in the book of Ephesians because it, it was a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church that wasn't in turmoil. It wasn't going through heresy. It, it was a church that he had invested three years of his life into and had poured other people, invested them to go back and invest in this church. And he's writing a few years down the line back to these people that he dearly loves. And he's saying, I, I want you to, to remember who you are. I want you to remember your identity and your calling. And he challenges them on and how to live out a life of following after Jesus. And so I'm excited for us to go on a journey looking back into this book and some truths uh, for us to, to kind of rally behind and to lean into. And tonight I, I want to look at uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. 
And uh, remember, in our English Bibles, it's translated from the original Greek language. Most of the New Testament's written in Greek, and so it's been translated to English because you probably speak English like I do. And, and so you want to understand what you're reading. But what you have to understand here is verses 3 through 14 is one sentence in Greek. See, you're going to look at your Bible, and you're going to look at maybe on the app and and look through the scriptures, you're going to see like 10, 12 sentences here. But you have to understand, in Greek, it's one giant run-on sentence. Like, in Greek literature, it's one of those things that, that, that they marveled at, and that the Apostle Paul, like, this is the longest sentence he writes. And it's like he had one thought that led to another thought that led to another thought, and he just kept putting commas everywhere. And it's this giant run-on sentence, and yet it has such profound impact and reality to our identity as a follower of Jesus and everything Jesus has done for us. And again, if you're kind of searching Jesus out, this is what Paul is saying, that as you say yes to Jesus, this is true of your identity, not because you created it, but because you are gifted it through Christ. And so it's part of the beauty of what is so attractive about Jesus and what's so incredible about him. And, and so what you have to understand this lengthy passage in, in, in kind of a Hebrew context is it's almost a sense of blessing. Here's this blessing that God is speaking over your life. It's 202 words in Greek, one giant run-on sentence. And so I want to read it for us. Are you ready? I can't do it in one breath. I tried all week to try to do it, and I couldn't do it. I kept, like, turning blue and fainting. Um, But in this idea of verses 3 through 14, here's what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which was purposed in Christ. He put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are chosen. We have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in community with the purpose of his will in order that we would be the first to put our hope in Christ, that we might be the praise of his glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's one sentence. Did you ever write a really long run-on sentence in English? I did. I remember being in honors English at Marana High School. Tiger Pride, go. Uh, that's where I graduated from, right? And I show up at Pima, like, writing 101. I tested into that. And I was like, I was in honors English, right? And I show up there, and I'm kind of humiliated, like, I shouldn't be in this dummy English. And I write my first paper, and it had more red on it than black. And I was like, whoa. Um, And so I show up at the professor's uh, room there afterwards, and I'm kind of just asking. She's like, "Uh, you're a horrible writer. I'm like, oh, awesome. Uh." And she proceeded to take the next hour and invested in me. You know what my favorite class in college was? Writing 101. She changed the way I wrote. She helped me tremendously. But it's fascinating what you, you don't recognize what you don't see until you see it and it's shown to you. And in a way, Paul's wanting you to see something that maybe you don't recognize at first, that as one who has put their faith in Jesus and said yes to him, there are some things that happen to you and to your identity, the core of who you are, that changed forever. And it it marked you. It it created something in you. It it welcomed you into something that goes far beyond what you could try to manufacture or create on your own. See, we live in a culture where you get to choose your identity. You get to create it the way you want. 
Some people even say that they move to a different city or to a different state because they want to recreate who they are and how they're seen. And so we live in a concept or a culture that says that's the reality of what it is, or we live in a cultural backdrop that says your, your identities are based around what you do. You go to, remember pre-COVID when you went to parties and stuff, and you, people say, well, what do you do? And it was almost like what you did was who you were. And it began to define you, and you find your identity almost hidden in that. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but maybe that's not meant to be your primary identity. And really, that's what Paul is speaking about. In fact, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is Paul kind of whispering to you and to me, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are in Jesus. The beauty, the wonder, don't lose the wonder. Isn't that what we appreciate about Christmas time, and especially little kids, is the wonder of the season. And then we grow up, and we have to pay for Christmas, and we begin to lose the wonder, right? And we begin to say, okay, it's different, it's commercial, it's all that kind of stuff, and yet there's a wonder side of the Christian faith and a wonder to our identity of everything we've received in Christ that we're to hold on to. And, and if you were to look at this, again, it's just one sentence. Here's what I want to encourage you uh, this week. It's just to reread verses 3 through 14 and just sit with it. And at the end of the tonight, hopefully it makes a little more sense of just what you're sitting with and how it can move your heart to worship of who God is and everything he's done for you. The reality is that to understand a sentence, you have to find the subject, Right? And then the subject's what kind of determines what the sentence is really about. In verse 9, 10, and 11, here's the reality. I'll summarize them. God had a plan. Everything is in that plan. And Jesus is at the point of the plan. There you go. I summed up a 14-verse sentence for you. God had a plan. Everything is in the plan. Jesus is the culmination of the plan. That's what Paul is trying to get across. And this idea of remember who you are. God is at work recreating your very identity, the very core of who you are. That's what he writes to the church in Philippi, remember? God is at work, and he will be faithful to complete it. He's doing a work in you. So an overview of the city of Ephesus, modern-day kind of western Turkey is if you were looking on a map or you get bored, you can look up Western Turkey, kind of see it off the coast there. And this is where this is happening. And Paul had spent quite a few years uh, planting this church, investing in these people, had sent other people back to invest in them. And years later, uh, written probably about 61 AD or so, uh, Paul is writing this letter of Ephesians back to this church. And it would be a traveling letter. It would go around to other churches in that region as well. But he's writing to there. And what you have to understand about the city of Ephesus and how dramatic and how big of a, a factor it was in the first century and even beyond that, before that, beyond that. The reality of uh, the temple of Artemis uh, is there. It was one of the seven wonders of the, of the world at the time. You can kind of Google uh, Temple of Artemis, and you'd see that it's this place that has 127 pillars that are 60 feet high. It was a marvel to look at. There's still ruins of it today that you can go and, and find a structure of it. It had a giant theater that the Romans began to expand. It was 25,000 seats. They expanded it even more. Uh, Agora was this kind of marketplace area that was like two football fields put side by side. It was kind of like Tucson Mall meets garage sale. Okay, you could find anything in the world there. You could purchase anything in the world there. And by I mean anything, I mean anything there. It was kind of a marvel to look at. It was a, a place that Ephesus was considered one of the most important Greek cities and the most important trading center in the Mediterranean region around it. In its day, Ephesus was like Hong Kong or New York City. That's what you have to understand. And a guy named Paul arrives and begins to talk about this love and grace that's found in the person of Jesus. He invests so much of his time, and he left there, and he's wanting those believers who formed the first church there to remember who they are and the identity that they have that goes against and counter to what the identity that their city and the whole cultural concept around them is trying to force them or push them to see. Can you understand maybe why this has some importance for us today? That in a city context, in a cultural context that we live in, 
that's trying to push you that your identity is this or based on this, or you can choose and create your own identity, that maybe there's a different identity that's actually more bedrock and foundational. And that's what Paul is getting at. Identity is a big, important issue of the day. And so as Paul writes Ephesians chapter 1, he's going to kind of pick out some images. You probably heard them as we read through it. I just want to unpack those a little bit for us because as one who has said yes to Jesus, this is who you are. And it's so easy to forget. It's easy to get distracted. Some imagery that he uses, you have been adopted. And I don't want to breeze past that. This image of adoption is so beautiful and so rich and so meaningful. And we understand it in our cultural context. But let's go back and look in the first century time and in the city of Ephesus and, the, and what that cultural context would have been and how they would have received that. We can receive it because we've seen families who adopt. And, and there's a beautiful imagery that comes with that and a beautiful new reality for that adopted son or that adopted daughter that their whole life has been changed no longer an orphan, no longer floating around, but they've been chosen and accepted and brought in and they are made new. We get that. But even more so, they understood the difference of what that was. Verse 5, in love he predestined us to be adopted as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It was his will, his desire to do so. That what Christ did for us on earth is, is the key to the adoption process. Our tendency is to read it from our cultural context, but from there, the Roman culture. And what you have to understand is when a baby was born, the baby was set at the father's feet. And the father either picked up the baby, meaning they accepted it into their family, or he turned and walked away. Talk about abandonment. Literally, that's how they dealt with children in that moment. Maybe he wanted a son and he got a daughter and he chooses to walk away. Or maybe the other way around, he wanted a daughter and got a son and he chooses to walk away. And, and abandonment happens. Rarely in the Roman culture would the baby be killed. Instead, the child would be put out for exposure, up for the gods to decide what would happen to that child. And so they would go to the marketplace, the agora. Remember we talked about and often over to the south side of the Agora, there would be a place where you could leave your child and say, I'm done. Uh, I, I choose not to have this one and literally walk away. And maybe someone would come along and they would pick up that child and they would take that child home, but not to rear it as part of the family, but to raise it, become someone who was sold or to become a slave that would benefit your family. And so you would almost like livestock. And they would be an adjunct part of your property, but not a member of your family. That's one option. Slaves actually considered themselves lucky. They were the lucky ones because at least they were picked up. For other kids, they were left exposed to the elements, and you know what would happen. And so the reality into that cultural context, into that culture of abandonment, and into that cancel culture, that's what everyone knew. That was the reality of the day. And so when Paul shows up and he says, listen, you've been adopted into the family of God through faith in Jesus. And friend, you have to understand the significance of what that does to who you are. Are and what that means to you. When Paul writes to the churches in and around Ephesus and says that, it, that in love God adopted them, he's writing to a culture of abandonment and to a cancel culture on steroids. There was a physician that lived just north of Ephesus in Pergamum who wrote a manual on how to measure the dimensions of a child that was maybe left and abandoned to either figure out if they might be a strong slave someday. That's the reality of the culture in the moment. And Paul writes to these people and he says, here's the truth. If you have come to know Jesus, your most defining moment isn't who threw you out, but who brought you in. That's the beauty of the gospel. Friends, have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever been left? Have you ever been dumped? Maybe it was 
by a fiance, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. Maybe you were dumped by a spouse. Maybe you were dumped by a kid who shut you out. Maybe you were dumped by a company or you were dumped by your family. Maybe you were in a business, you invested a lot in a person, they left, and you were left to deal with the results. And so you understand what it means to be abandoned in some way, shape, or form. And what Paul is saying is, your defining moment in life is not who, who left you. It's who actually chose you and brought you in. And in Jesus, you've been adopted into God's family. And friend, that now defines your identity. As a Christian, your most defining moment is not who threw you out, but who brought you in. He picked you up, he picked you out, and he brought you home. He adopted you into his family through his son, Jesus. Let that sink in. Maybe whisper in your mind, through Jesus, I've been adopted. Say it, literally, in your mind. Through Jesus, I've been adopted. I've been received. I've been blessed. I've been brought in. And that begins to reshape you. This is what Paul is saying. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Another image is this image of redemption. Verse 7, here's what it says. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We have redemption through Christ's blood. Ephesus was one of the largest slave trade uh, ports in the whole entire region of the Mediterranean. If you were to Google Ephesus slave trade, here's what you'd find in articles that you could look up. That between 1000 BC and 1000 AD, Ephesus was the center of slave trade in the Roman Empire. That uh, Paul came and spent over two years of his life investing in people with that as a backdrop. And he said, look, you have to understand that God has bought you. That you are on the, the trade market for anyone's bidding. And for people to, to, for you to maybe try to appease to their bidding, for you to, to be redeemed and to bought, that you were purchased with his precious blood, welcomed into his family through adoption. You are fully redeemed. You are no longer available to anyone else. And we don't have to wait for the bidding of someone else's loyalty. You've been purchased. You've been brought in. You've been bought by God himself, the creator of it all. And he has redeemed you. He has brought you in that you might be known and that you might be secure in who you are. You have redemption through his blood that what Jesus did on the cross was more than just a money transaction thing that you went from who you were to now part of his family. This was about him giving up his life that you might be found to have life in and through him. That's the beauty of the gospel. Maybe a simple illustration. I don't want to downgrade the cross at all. But if you've ever been out with a friend, maybe a friend of maybe eight, ten people who've said, hey, come out to dinner with us, right? And they say, we're going to go to this place. And you show up at that place and you haven't ever been there before. And you realize you're a little underdressed the moment you get out of your car and you're walking up and you're like, wow, this place seems a little, like, little bit better than what I had in mind of where we were going, right? And you walk in, you open up the menu, and you realize uh, the price tag. You're like, whoa, everything's a la carte. See, when you show up at a place where everything's a la carte, that's when I realize I don't belong here, okay? I'm Chipotle, and this is Fleming's, and I don't, I, I don't roll here. Uh, and, but like in that moment, you realize, and you start doing the calculations in your head of like, okay, um, how many, like, do I need to give up Netflix now? Do I need to, like, how am I going to afford this? Because this is going to impact my budget, right? And you're thinking through that the whole way through dinner until the bill comes and you're bracing yourself for the bill and then you realize that the person who invited you paid for it all. And in that moment, how do you feel? Whoo, that was close, right? In that moment, you realize it's been redeemed, it's been paid for by someone else. Friends, that to a whole nth degree is what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done for me. We were on the hook for a bill that we couldn't afford, and Jesus picked up the tab. That is the gospel. Jesus took care of it. And because of that, you have a new identity. I have a new identity. I'm a redeemed one. I'm one who has been bought and purchased, not as property, but one who's been redeemed 
It's been good for me. Christianity is not about paying your way or working your way to God, doing enough that God will finally like you. No, God buys us. He redeems us through Jesus on the cross. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And Paul's writing to a culture, a backdrop of people who understood. They walked by the Agora every single day. They knew that people were being redeemed all the time, and it was about property. And into that, Paul's saying, no, no, no. You've been redeemed with a great, incredible story. And you're not just property. You've been adopted into a family of God. And it's changed your identity. He paid for me. He adopted me. Sit with that. If that doesn't move your heart to worship, I don't know what does to understand what God has done for you. The third image Paul gives us here is this image of sealing, uh, that slaves in that culture in that time would get tattooed with the family seal of the estate that they were serving. That's the third image Paul kind of gives, verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked with him, with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Paul is telling the people in Ephesus of that time and their history, remember when I came here and I spoke to you about the goodness of God in sending Jesus, that God means, his means of rescuing him was in and through the person of Jesus. And remember when you believe the gospel, that you were marked with a seal. You were sealed with this, a seal was a mark of ownership, that for a paper document, uh, you would make a seal out of melted wax, which you would then kind of press your family ring or crest into it, leaving an indentation. And when it dried, it would be there. But uh, to seal the mark of ownership, this was legitimate. But that kind of seal wouldn't work for livestock. And even slaves in that time began to be sealed with, they were branded, think of a way. Uh, I remember uh, a few years back, I got to have my city slicker moment. Um, when I went to a family ranch up uh, north of where, uh, north of kind of south of Globe, and we were there and uh, we went out, like, <clears throat> I'm not a cowboy. I'm not even a Cowboys fan. Um, I don't have boots. Like, I just showed up in tennis shoes, and they're like, here we go. And they give me a horse, and, like, we ride out with these ranchers who look really professional, and I don't. I'm very amateurish in this. I'm trying to stay on the horse. And then they hand me a branding iron, and we're branding cattle. And I'm like, this is going to hurt this poor cow. And they're like, it's okay. They're with us. They kind of all know it's coming. They kind of share it around. They, they tell people, they tell the young ones, here's what's going to happen because they know. And then, like, I do it, and it's like, that's weird. Um, like, I don't do that. But, like, I enjoy beef, um, and so, yay. Uh, but, like, so I understand the other side of this, and, and I'm, I'm okay, but that was kind of my city slicker moment. And we did other things that I won't talk about. But, like, just that, it was this idea of branding, and the reality is that's kind of what Paul's getting at. That as a follower of Jesus, one who has said yes to him, you've been branded in a way. This permanent seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit deposited in you. In fact, it's a deposit guaranteeing the reality of what is to come. Not only in this life, but the life to come. Of life eternal with God. And that his presence is forever with you. In the person of the Holy Spirit as he sealed it, that God is almost whispering, leaning over to you and to me as one who has said, yes, you are mine. You are mine. You don't belong to anyone else. You don't have to live for their identity. You have an identity. I gave it to you. You are mine. You're mine. You're welcomed into my family. I've purchased you. I, I've redeemed you from where you were, where you couldn't escape on your own. I brought you in. And Paul is saying, remember, all through these first three chapters, remember who you are. Remember who you are in Jesus. God, you've adopted me. You, you've redeemed me. I am yours. Uh, what if you woke up every day just repeating that? to yourself. Because friend, as one who said yes to Jesus, that's who you are. It is who you are. You've been adopted into God's family. He has redeemed you, and you are his. And you can rest there. 
that in Jesus, that is the core of who you are. That is your primary identity. It's not your house. It's not your bank account. It's not your title, your occupation. It's not your children. It's not your looks. You have a freedom of your identity based on who Jesus says you are. I am who you say I am. When I remember who I am and whose I am, I can then choose to live differently than what the culture says around me. When I remember who I am and whose I am, I can then begin to choose to live differently than what the world around me tries to say, find your identity here, or live this way in order to find and have a true identity. See, when we can cancel that out and those lies out and begin to replace it with the truth of what God says you are and who you are, it begins to change who you are. That when I remember who I am and whose I am, I can choose to live differently. That, friends, we desperately need to remember who we are in God, that knowing our primary identity as sons and daughters of God by the grace of Jesus changes everything. It changes how we can act, how we can react. It changes how we move into situations that we have to navigate, even challenging situations, because it grounds us to who our true identity is. Here's the key takeaway for this. My truest identity as a follower of Jesus has been received. It's not achieved. And I can rest in that. See, in our culture, it's all about the identity you go out and achieve. But in the kingdom culture, it's about an identity that you have been gifted. Your truest identity is found in Jesus, and it is found in what you have received, not in what you try to achieve. Can you go after those things? Sure. You're the one who gets in trouble. I'm the one who gets in trouble. When you try to base your identity on what you achieve, or what you create, or what you curate, or what you try to hold on to and manufacture. As one who has said yes to Jesus, Jesus says, look, your truest identity is the one I'm gifting you. You've been adopted. You've been redeemed. You've been sealed. You are mine. That's who you are. Now, let's live out of that. And when you live out of that, everything changes. There's a freedom that comes. And so here's the invitation this week. Read and savor Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Remember that this is one sentence, not 10. It's one. It's one continuous thought that Paul is saying, ooh, here's what you've been gifted. Ooh, that leads me to this. Here's what you've been thinking. Oh, here's what you got also. And, and if you were to read and savor it that way, let it move your heart to reflect and to worship the Savior who says, this is who you are. So Father, we want to live out of our truest identity. Our cultural context and, and backdrop says and screams to us in so many ways. Create your identity. Manufacture your identity. Be something that is then your identity. But Father, you're the God who whispers to us. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. You're mine. I've adopted you. I've redeemed you. You are mine. May we live out of the truest identity that we've, been re that we've received th through our faith in Jesus. God, for any who might be here that are, are searching that out, I pray that you would awaken and quicken their pulse to want to know you like that and to be known like that that they are yours. And it all starts with saying yes to Jesus. And not trying to live life on our own, but realizing that we can't get into a right relationship with you without faith. I'm saying it's not about what I do. It's about who you are. 
It's about recognizing, Jesus, that in your life, in your death, in your resurrection, you made a way for us to have life with you, God. So as we sing this song, God, we want to ask that, that the fire of your grace and your hope, your renewing, would fall afresh on us. God, for those of us who have been walking with you for a while, it's so easy in our culture for our identity to begin to shift or, or drift in a direction that it's based on my occupation or based on what I do, on how I perform. But God, our truest identity is a gift from you. It's based on what we receive, not what we achieve. God, would you draw us close in this song? May you renew our hearts. May you refresh us to be everything you want us to be and nothing short of that. We give these next few moments to you. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts and in our midst. Fire, fall down, fire, 
fall down on us we pray oh fill us as we pray fire fall down your fire fall down on us we pray as we seek you lord fire fall down your fire fall down on us we pray Take a moment just to let the Lord speak to you. Maybe there's a thought that Jack shared that kind of penetrated your heart. This would be a good time just to meditate on that truth. Maybe think about a way that you could apply that this week. Let's just sit in this moment. Let's just worship. Jesus, we worship you tonight. We thank you uh, for the message that Jack shared. We live in a world where we are bombarded with advertisements and images that tell us who we should be and how we should spend our money uh, because we're so image conscious. We're so careful to build uh, our public perception and who it is we want others to see us as. And yet we're challenged by your word here in Ephesians to remember who we are in Christ. The generations these days, that's the big question. Who am I? So tonight, God, would this be a moment uh, where we would hear directly from you who you say that we are so we no longer have to ask that question. We just have to be reminded constantly of that truth, Jesus. We always want to seek that out in you. So thank you, Lord, that we've been bought, that we've been redeemed, that you sealed us with your Holy Spirit and help us to live that way this week with that truth in our mind. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Well, if you're standing, you can have a seat. Uh, we just want to say thanks again for coming tonight. I know uh, I've already met a couple of new people, and there's even more of you. So real important, in the back here, we have a 10-minute party that's going on. And so all that means is for 10 minutes, uh, Jack's going to be back there, uh, and he's just there to tell you more about the church, to get to know a little bit more about you, and help you fill out a con connection card if you want to know a little bit more about the church. Maybe you're at home, and maybe this is your first time tuning in, and if that's the case, uh, uh, there's going to be a link that's posted in the chat uh, of a Zoom room where there's another 10-minute party going on there, so you're also able to get connected with the church. Uh, again, Jack mentioned at the beginning next week is going to be the start of eKids. And so we're pretty excited uh, to finally get to have uh, the babies back here. Uh, so we're going to be starting that for babies through kindergarten, just so you know. Uh, and we're going to kind of phase the reopening. And the reason we're phasing us because we need you. We need volunteers. And so maybe, uh, as Jack said earlier, there's one Sunday a month that you'd be willing to give up. Uh, we'll give you some training. Uh, we'll do everything that needs to be done so we can set you up for success. Uh, but we want to get some help uh, for our kids so that we can safely reopen. Uh, and we're just kind of keeping an eye on things too so that we can do that in a wise way. So um, thanks again for being here tonight. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians again all through the month of November. So again, uh, this is, I've been reading a lot lately. And if you're under the age of 29, probably one of the biggest questions that you've asked recently is, who am I? Like, what is this all about? Identity is one of the biggest issues for millennials and for Gen Z. And so come back, hear more about who you are in Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about these next couple weeks. Uh, so I know you're not going to want to miss out on that. But thanks again for being here tonight. Be blessed. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you soon.